the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, June the 8th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On June 8, 1864, Abraham Lincoln was nominated for another term as president during the National Union Party's convention in Baltimore. The National Union became known as the Republican Party. Today in A.D. 632, the prophet Muhammad died in Medina. He did not rise from the dead. He remains in the tomb. Today in 1966, a merger was announced between the National and American Football Leagues to take effect in 1970. Today in 1968, authorities in London captured James Earl Ray, the suspected assassin of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Today in 1978, a jury in Clark County, Nevada, they ruled that the so-called Mormon will, you may remember this, the Mormon will, supposedly written by the late billionaire Howard Hughes, the jury decided it was a forgery. Today in 2008, the average price of regular gas crept up to $4 a gallon. There were people saying at that time, well, we know one thing, it can't get much higher than that. They were sure wrong, weren't they? Today in 2015, siding with the White House in a foreign policy power struggle with Congress, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three that Americans born in the city of Jerusalem could not list Israel as their birthplace on passports. They said, Jerusalem is disputed. We're not sure who owns it. Well, if they would read the Bible, they would be very sure. God owns it. He calls it his city. I'm thinking if Americans are born in Jerusalem, they better put Israel on their passport as their place of birth. There's a lot to be said about that, a lot going on around that issue today. We're not going to talk about it today, but at this time, and we will be talking about it in the near future. Five years ago today, former FBI Director James Comey testified before Congress. He asserted that President Donald Trump fired him to interfere with his investigation of Russia's ties to the Trump campaign. He knew then, we know now, there were no ties. Trump didn't have any ties to Russia. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter then, and it doesn't matter now. Coming this week, this is just a heads up, coming this week... There's going to be uh, a lot of talk about the insurrection, the takeover of the Capitol that was, of course, led by <clears throat> Donald Trump, the same Donald Trump that was involved with Russia, and his campaign was involved with Russia, and they were not. 
Associated Press put this out this morning. This is pretty much sums up. You're going to be hearing hours of this on television or radio, but particularly television this week. Associated Press said this morning, a, bipart- a year ago, a bipartisan Senate report on the June 6 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol found a broad intelligence breakdown across multiple agencies. Along with widespread law enforcement, military failures, there were clear warnings and tips that right-wing extremist groups and other supporters of former President Donald Trump were planning to storm the Capitol with weapons, possibly infiltrate the tunnel system underneath it, but that intelligence never made it to the top leaders. You will be flooded today and the rest of this week with that kind of a narrative. And they will they will go to hell and back to try to destroy any vestige of Trump and anyone who may have voted for him because the left in America is desperate. They are desperate. And some of the press is still trying to help them. Much of the press, frankly, has abandoned this president, a guy that they helped elect. They've abandoned him. We already know that the people of our country are sat- are dissatisfied with President Biden's leadership. But there's more and more data coming out now. Big changes are expected in November. They know that. They see it coming. But beyond the electoral policies, there's a new survey out from the Wall Street Journal. I just wanted to give you a heads up on this as well. It portrays an alienated, kind of a pessimistic country. In fact, they call it that. Americans are rattled. They're upset. Biden was swept into office on the promise of normalcy and moderation and healing. And we know this guy. Excuse me. He's been in Congress for 50 years. We know him. He's safe. We need to extract ourselves from this this wild man, this Donald Trump. What might he do to our nation other than drive down inflation, create jobs for more people than anybody in recent, perhaps ever, history of the country? A lot of things. We know the list. They know it now, too. We've got to extract ourselves from this, this, this person. We cannot have him in office. That was the whole jest of the Biden campaign. Americans are rattled. They're upset now. Because he's delivered none of these things. The country wants no part of the current status quo, which which cannot become a new normal. And they're saying that out loud. This isn't Republicans or conservatives or even independents. This is the left that voted him into office, apparently. The president and his team have governed way to the left. He came in proclaiming himself to be kind of a moderate. He never really did a lot. I don't mean this critically. It's just a fact. He never really did a lot as a senator over the years he was there. I mean, if if you take the time to look up, you can go to Google or whatever, and you can see how how many pieces of legislation he actually put through in 50 years. It's next to nothing. It's a couple. He talked a lot. He strutted a lot. He didn't do a lot. So he came into office, but people thought, this is our safe haven. We can now get aboard the ship of Biden. 
and it's going to be some smooth sailing. It'll just be kind of nothing for a while, and we can catch our breath after this Trump invasion in our country. But it didn't turn out that way. The left, Bernie Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez, and all this group, Elizabeth Warren, and all these people way out there on the left got a hold of the levers, the buttons. They're pushing the buttons and pulling the levers. And President Biden really is a puppet. And again, I don't mean that critically. It just, there's no other way to describe it. He is. And now we're beginning to see the results what, 12, 16, 16 months into office? The results are overwhelming. And the nation is more pessimistic today. The nation, not the conservatives, the nation, more con- more bewildered and dissatisfied and pessimistic than at any time in recent history of our country. They seem to be enamored, this administration enamored with the notion of becoming a kind of an FDR-style transformative president. But he's no FDR. Far from living up to the promise to his voters, he stoked the embers of division and polarization. Wall Street Journal is reporting that he is people within the White House, close to him, working for him and with him, are saying he's bewildered and seething. He's so angry at the polls. And now he's beginning to blame his staff. He says it's not his fault. It's Putin's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's whomever's fault. But it's not my fault. They say they hear that every day when they're around the president. And if the White House aides think he's pessimistic and agitated now, Wait till they see what happens in November. I think, I don't say that as a political person, I say it just as a citizen. I don't think they can even grasp what may happen. Unless, of course, the Republicans snatch victory, or snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. There is a severe pessimism that grips the, the, the economy in the country. 83% of Americans describe the state of our economy as poor or not good. The Wall Street Journal and NORC, N-O-R-C, poll, which is very reliable, they found that only 1% describe the economy as excellent. 1% of America think it's excellent. The blacks, the Hispanics, were moving toward the Republican Party as they got jobs and opportunities came to them under just four years of Trump. 83% of Americans now describe the state of the economy as poor or not good. 1% say it's excellent. This poll in particular, but there are many polls. It isn't just one in isolation. This poll... Uh, results show that how much inflation has damaged the U.S. economy and the perception of Americans about its own financial well-being. People today are pessimistic. It isn't just the real hard data, the numbers. It's the way people feel as well. 35% said they're not at all satisfied with their financial condition. That's the highest level of dissatisfaction since NORC began asking the question every few years starting in 
1972. 63% of Americans say they are extremely or very concerned about the price of gas. Why gas? You pull up and fill up and you're broke. (laughs) I mean, there's probably people pulling away from gas pumps wondering if they should declare bankruptcy now or at the next fill up. It's unbelievable. 54% say they are extremely or very concerned about the impact of high grocery prices on their household's financial situation. Have you been to the grocery store lately? We all have. It's unbelievable. I didn't know bananas were worth so much. I would have planted a tree in the backyard. Only 38% of Americans say they're generally optimistic about the opportunity for most people to achieve the American dream. 68% say they are generally pessimistic about anyone now achieving the American dream. As I said, people inside the White House, close to the president, say he is seething because he says his staff is not taking care of him. There are reasons why we are where we are. Certainly there is the political component, but there is the spiritual component as well. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today as well. But we need to keep in mind as we look at these horrible, horrible conditions in which we live. Oh, I know there are people in the world much worse off than we are. We have our shootings and killings going on here in America, but just last Sunday, 50 parishioners were killed in the pew at church on Pentecost Sunday in Africa. They were killed because they were Christians, not Muslims. It could be a lot worse, but it is what it is here in America. And as we look around, it's easy for us, those of us who serve the Lord and try to walk with the Lord every day and please him in all that we do and say. I think it's important that we remember that we must lean on him and keep our focus and our eyes focused and our heart focused on the Lord and on his word and on his promises. Because this can just be overwhelming, and there's two choices. One, we can either be informed and yet keep our focus on Almighty God who created all things, who is in control of all things, or we can simply remove ourselves and say, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Christians are supposed to be in politics. I don't want to know what's going on. We can do one of those two things. It's pleasing to the Lord that we be informed. It is not pleasing to the Lord that his people be misinformed or not at all informed. That's my view, and I think it's pretty biblical. So we try to inform, and we try to talk about, in real terms, straight talk, what's going on in our world today. And right at the moment, it's not pretty. And it's not, it's not a motivational speech. But that's where we are in this country. But there is hope. There is light in this darkness. There is reality in this malaise of thought and deception. There is a God who is in control of all things. God's word says in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it begins with this, the chapter. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't faint, pray. God is good. God is present. God is in control. And then let me leave you with this last verse here. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. There are no limits to his understanding. What that says to you and me today and our situation in this country that is horrible, it's almost indescribable. God knows. He knows what's going on. He is the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator. He doesn't faint, and he doesn't grow weary, nor should we. He's in control. Vice President Harris hosted a roundtable conversation, she called it, on abortion rights the other day. Guess who she invited to this? Faith leaders on Monday of this week. Faith leaders were brought together to discuss abortion with the Vice President of the United States. She noted that the last few years had tested everyone's faith during the coronavirus pandemic. The rise in, quote, hate and misinformation on the Internet. She said we're concerned about the continued gun crimes and mass shootings, she told these faith leaders. She said, quote, I do believe, and I'm quoting her exactly now, Quote, I do believe, and I, my entire life, believe this, but I think we collectively know, in particular now, we need faith. We need faith. But in this entire meeting, and I read the script from the White House website, in this entire meeting, the, the name of God was never mentioned. Not one time. So we need faith. Uh, we need faith. All, all of my life, I've known I need faith. Faith in what? Well, she tells them what. It's ironic, at least to me, that the vice president of the United States would be meeting with faith leaders to discuss abortion in a constructive way in the first place. But it's further troubling that she would be meeting with faith leaders to talk about abortion and not even mention the name of God. She knows that God, perhaps she knows that God doesn't approve of abortion, so maybe she didn't want him to know that they were having this meeting. I don't know what was in her, in her head, but that's, I know what she said. Because it's on the record. It's inconcerning that she, a second, second in command in this country, would be directing these leaders to a faith in something other than God, given the history of our founding and the rise to become the most blessed, prosperous, and free nation in the history of the world and the chaos that we've just been talking about in the last few minutes. The vice president told the group of faith leaders that we must call America to have faith in each other faith in our nation, and faith in our future. Well, that's all great. But on what basis do we have that relationship with one another? On what basis does our nation move forward? Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, whispering in the ear of Joe Biden? I don't think so. It isn't working out at all. And faith in our future? What is our future? 
82% of Americans don't think we have a very bright future. She's calling on these faith leaders to have faith in our future when they're destroying the future with their policies. All of this at a time when our nation is staggering under the chaos of misguided policies and stumbling towards Sodom in our obsession with foisting sexual perversion on our children in government-run schools. I'm reminded of a comment another Democrat made on October 6, 1935. We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. Its refining, elevating influence is indispensable to our most cherished hopes and ideals. That Democrat president was President Franklin D. Roosevelt, the very person that this administration says they are trying to be like. FDR also said on January 20th, 1945, he said, quote, The Almighty God has blessed our land in so many ways. He's given our people stout hearts and strong arms with which to strike mighty blows for freedom and truth. He's given to our country a faith which has become the hope of all people in an anguished world. So we pray to him now for the vision to see our way clearly. Perhaps the cancellation of God from the faith meeting of Vice President Harris had to do with the point of the meeting. It had nothing to do with striking mighty blows for freedom freedom and truth. The meeting certainly had nothing to do with asking God for a vision to see our way clearly. It had to do with trying to get churches to back the ungodly, hellish act of abortion. That's where we are today, and that's why the whole social construct of our nation is collapsing. Because these people refuse to even include God in their discussion when they're talking with supposedly faith leaders. The point of this whole meeting that she had, the Vice President of the United States, the whole purpose of it, was to gin up support from the so-called faith community to continue killing unwanted unborn babies. God help us. What's the matter with us? She pointedly brought up the pending Supreme Court decision on abortion, of course. She said, I would like to talk with you faith leaders about the impending decision from the United States Supreme Court that we will undo the very principles and premise of the importance of a woman's privacy, the right that Roe v. Wade stands for. When you begin a meeting with a lie, you're generally not inclined to invoke God or to offer a prayer to him. The lie is that the right of a mother to kill her unwanted child in the womb, Harris explained, should be unfettered by the government and the courts. In other words, the people should not be able to overturn this heinous act, barbaric act that we are trying to incorporate and and make it normal. She warned the Supreme Court's decision would likely endanger the right to contraception and same-sex marriage. I hope it does. I pray it does. She condemned a proposed law in Louisiana. That's what launched this whole thing and brought this before the Supreme Court. And as you know, they'll be putting their ruling out there in a matter of days, I would think. I mean, they're going to go on recess, I think, the 1st of July. So... It's forthcoming. And if that leaked draft that we all know about is the decision, is the rule, she's right. Roe v. Wade is in deep trouble. I pray it is. 
While Harris did not mention God, she referred to a higher purpose that should guide everyone. She said, you all as our faith leaders have done extraordinary work, in particular these last few years, to remind folks that they are not alone, that we are in this together. But we want out. We don't want to be together with her and Biden. They're taking this country down a path of destruction, clearly, economically, culturally, morally, intellectually. There's a higher purpose, she says. What is that higher purpose? To advance a progressive, relativistic, ungodly, non-godly ideology. This is a profile of spiritual confusion and darkness. Jimmy Carter had his financial and economic melees. We have our spiritual melees with these people. The avoided truth of this faith meeting was that God has said, Thou shalt not kill. That's why he wasn't invited. That's why his name wasn't mentioned. They were hoping to hide in the shadows of deception and discuss how to continue to perpetuate this idea of killing unwanted babies because they know in their hearts. Paul wrote that to the Romans. They know the truth. Every person knows, has an instinct of the truth. So they try to exclude God like not invited. It bothers me a lot. You can probably tell it does. President Benjamin Harrison also asked the obvious question in his day. He said, if you take out, if, if you take out of your statutes, your constitution, your family life, all that is taken from the Bible, what would be left to bind society together? This administration is answering that question. Nothing. That's why America is so deeply divided. That's why we're spinning out of control. Shane Eidelman is a pastor at Westside Christian Fellowship in Lancaster, California. Some of you hear him on the radio somewhat. I don't know him. But he made an interesting comment in an article that he wrote yesterday in uh, the Christian Post. He said, A.W. Tozer hit the nail on the head decades ago. If Christianity is to receive a rejuvenation, it must be by other means than any now being used. There must appear a new type of preacher. Tozier continued, he said, quoting him, he said, the proper ruler of the synagogue type will never do, neither will the priestly type of man who carries on his duties, take his pay and ask no questions, nor the smooth-talking pastoral type who knows how to make the Christian religion acceptable to everyone. All of these things, Tozier said, have been tried and found wanting. He concludes such a man, Tozier says, Eidelman is quoting him, such a man is likely to be lean, rugged, blunt-spoken, and a little bit angry with the world. He will love Christ and the souls of men to the point of willingness to die for the glory of the one and the salvation of the other. But he will fear nothing that breathes with mortal breath. God give us more prophets and less puppets. A.W. Tozer. So very, very true. Thinking of our need for fearless leadership, I'm reminded of the account of Micaiah, warning Ahab in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 14. As surely as the Lord lives, I will speak whatever the Lord tells me, the prophet said. I think that would be a good motto and a good uh, goal for all of us. <clears throat> I've certainly made it mine. That's why we have straight talk every day, every weekday. Hey, thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. 
Um, we don't talk about our budget much, but I need your support. We need you to step up and stand with us. Thank you for doing so. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.